Inappropriate Earl is back, back for more, as my favorite singer, Stephen Piercy, would say. And we've had a big week of guests, and uh, they just keep getting better and better. We had Tom Green, Freddie Got Fingered, Road Trip. And for you hockey fans, the opening week of the NHL season, we had the preeminent hockey reporter in the United States and Canada, Dennis Bernstein on. Uh, next week, we got Barry Katz, uh, who is uh, someone I've always wanted to uh, talk to. But forget about next week. <laughs> this week, we've got another comedy manager, comedy voyeur. <laughs> He's guided the careers of people like Jim Norton, Jim Florentine, Patrice O'Neill. He's been around the scene. And every now and then I like to have a behind the scenes guy yeah. to explain this business to me. <laughs> because I, like Axel Rose said, I've been in the jungles for 20 <laughs> years and I'm still slinging it out. This man could probably help uh, assuage some of my uh, bitterness. Maybe. Mr. Mr. Jonathan Branstein in the house. Thank you. Wow. It's good to be here. Uh, I don't know if I can assuage any fears, but I think that, uh, boy, what a week. You've got all these people and then managers. But I think uh, a lot of comics listen to this podcast. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think even the people who are just fans of the podcast want to get a, what I like to call a behind the curtain yeah, view yeah. of the business. Barry's like super good at this. Well, the reason why I wanted him was I am obsessed with, and this is what bums me out. We all know comics who should have made it, who should be famous. Mm, many. I mean, <laughs> I often say that if I ever quit comedy and became the booker of, say, Conan, I would expose the world to so many funny people who just, yeah, you know, are socially awkward. They don't have a manager. Um, there was a comic by the name of Charlie Barnett. I absolutely knew who he was. In fact, I met him. This is a long time ago in New York city. So Paulie Shore, who, you know, just opened up for him, his brother, Pete, and I went to college together and Pete made this like short film. We were at NYU and he made this short film. And in the short film, you know, because Pete knew comedians, he got Charlie Barnett. And it was, it was kind of the first experience where, I mean, you hear those fingers, those weird fingers. I don't know. The fingernails. Yeah. The whole thing was. Or the whole, I mean, not, they weren't, it's not that they were that long, but he had like uh, oversized. It was some weird, I, I, see, I don't remember the full story, but it was something to do with either some kind of disease that he had at one point that caused his fingernails to like his, the tips of his fingers were huge, like yes. not normal. They were just like huge, almost like a um, like a cartoon character. It was a weird thing. And um, but he, uh, but this guy though, I mean, you could see he had it. He was he was very unstable, um, obviously. But 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 I mean, we we shot. I mean, this is so long ago. Uh, but we were in shooting a scene in Washington Square Park, where yes. I, it was it was he was supposed to be walking and talking to someone i don't remember who or what but but at one point like they were waiting for the camera to be set up you know and he just stands up on a bench and starts doing stand-up and it was like it's in the morning too like it wasn't wasn't at nighttime or something and the guy uh 
anyway, I don't mean to go on and on about Charlie Barnett, but it was it was it was he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. Well, I, it just like pains me that uh, you know his life ended the way it did, and like you know he was up for SNL, and yeah. you know I think he had trouble reading cue cards, uh, so he kind of just bailed on his yeah. last. I mean, he got to the last step, and he, I, I don't know, you know, he just said fuck it, and then Eddie Murphy got it. I remember filming. I mean, again, this was a student film, but because it was is uh, Polly's brother Pete, and and he he knew some comics we 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 had charlie there was like supposed to be three or four days we were shooting with him and of course on like the third day gone mia and you know you kind of have to adapt you you figure out all right well we'll shoot something else but i remember going how what that's crazy where did he go and you know in those days you didn't have cell phones or whatever so you couldn't reach charlie and and pete was like he was pete was actually really you know because he grew up in comedy he he didn't freak him out I think the rest of us were freaked out. Like, where did he go? And, uh, you know, that, that was kind of the first time I think I ever saw someone deal with a comedian. It actually was now that I think about it, I haven't thought about this ever, but yeah, because he grew up in that family and he, you know, been around comics his whole life. He kind of, it didn't freak him out. Whereas, you know, we were all, Whoa. well, I just remember being exposed to Charlie Barnett. Uh, I'm a huge Miami vice fan. Are you really? Oh, I'm, uh, me too. It's not the movie. The, no, 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 no. Uh, I, that's a show that has, sorry, I don't mean it. Please, no, but this is the point of the podcast. I, as you know, I'm a big Miami vice fan. Really uh, big. I don't plan any questions. Okay. So I hit record and we, we right. go where we go. I'm like a big, big Miami vice fan. Like I have, all the this I, I sound so antiquated saying I have all the DVDs, but I do, um, and I've I you know there's certain episodes and I, I man I didn't know that about you. Well, I just but that's how I was exposed to Charlie Barnett because right? uh, he was I on would Miami say Vice. in five seasons him and uh, another character actor by the name of Martin Ferrero yeah who played Izzy mm-hmm. uh, great they, actor. they were like a great uh, the comedy relief Izzy and the Nug Man. And I was like, wow, this guy's really funny. Uh, talking about Charlie. I mean, Izzy was very funny because uh, he kind of had this Ricky Ricardo. He would yeah. bangle the language. Uh, and But Charlie Barnett, you're like, wow, this guy's kind of like Eddie Murphy meets Chris Rock yeah. meets a little Franklin oh, yeah. Ajay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I started to go, who is this guy? And uh, then it just became a fan of his. And- but wait a second. So... I just want to make sure I understand who that guy is. I think I know who he is. He's been in other Michael Mann movies, hasn't he? Martin Ferrero. Yeah. Yeah, he was in, now this is going like, and it's funny, I had Doug Stanhope's manager, Brian Hennigan on. Yeah. And he's obsessed with the movie Heat. And so- Uh, That's another favorite of mine. If you remember this scene in Heat when Val- when he goes to buy the 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 um, the, the, the thing the explosive and he's like uh, you got a license ID yeah that okay. was that's what I thought it was that's Izzy <laughs> now here's the crazy thing not that I was going to talk about Heat again I just read an unauthorized biography on Bon Jovi um, and Bon Jovi was up he was one of the f- uh, final actors who was up for the Val Kilmer part in Heat uh, okay. In case you don't know this. I probably do. You probably know this already. You know what LA Takedown is? Oh yeah, it's basically what Heat was. Have you seen it? Michael, it's been a while. All right. It's so basically the- You're good then. You, <laughs> the, I, I thought, oh, I, I thought I was going to bring something that you didn't- uh, It was okay. a scale. It was basically like a, a skeleton script of what Heat became. 
but it's in a lot of ways there's line for line. It's weird. Yes. And there's and there's the the I love watching that because you can see some of the locations that sure. you know, exist today and everything. But uh yeah, it's the it's the it's the practice for heat. Well, I mean, I love some of Michael Mann's early stuff like uh, Thief with James Conn. Incredible. And uh how about what was the guy's name in it? He played uh uh, uh, he's an older gentleman. John Santucci. No, he played the mob boss. What was his name? I own you right. fucking life. What yeah. Was, the, what was his name? Charles Durning? Was it Charles Durning? No, no, it was no. not Charles Durning. I own your fucking life. I own the paper. I know you're house. talking about. Yeah. If we weren't uh, Facebooking live, oh, I would look it up. No, I would look it up. Um, I, I didn't know if I should be allowed to say that. Well, the great thing about Heat and it, or uh, Thief is that it, the technical advisor in it was a real life thief yeah. named yep. John Santucci. Yep. Who, if you're a Miami Vice fan, sure. he was in a few episodes uh, of Miami Vice, and then later on in the Michael Mann show with Dice Clay, Crime Story, right. he was the character Paulie Taglia. Yep, who was the bumbling mob uh, sidekick to Ray Luca, Anthony Dennison in real life. Totally. So Michael Mann uses a lot of the same people. The there was a guy named Ken Solars who was one of the writers on. Was it Crime Story? I think it was Crime Story. Such a good show. I mean, that, you know, there, there is, okay, I'm from Chicago. Oh, so, so. I have this weird, not just because I'm from Chicago, but I mean, you know, all of his films, okay, a lot of them are really, really great. And I think he has this uh, obsession to detail that I really appreciate, but that I think movie studios, I mean, I've heard stories. Did you ever hear the story about uh, when they shot, which is arguably one of his best movies, The Insider? Because uh, oh, one of my favorite people, Wings Hauser, is in that oh, movie. Yeah, Wings Hauser, right. Good, good. Oh, yeah. So so they shot in, uh, uh, apparently, if you've seen the movie, the opening scene of that is they're in, I think, Lebanon, and he's going to meet with like the Hezbollah guy. And it's the guy from 60 Minutes, you know, that... Um, uh, what's his name? Christopher Plummer plays him in the movie. Mike Wallace. He's playing, yeah, he's Mike, playing Wallace. Mike Wallace. Thank you. And they're going to go. And it's like, it's one scene where he's in a van and like external shot driving. And then they're there. And then he meets the shake. You could easily shoot this easily shoot it in, you know, a soundstage, whatever Burbank and get a stock footage shot of just a van going there. But no, <laughs> they went there and they shot there. Um, oh yeah. I mean, there's that one scene in heat, uh, when De Niro catches uh, Hank Azaria leaving, uh, Ash is it Ashley Judd who was it? Naomi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ash Ashley Judd. He leaves the or, hotel. No, Naomi. No, right, Naomi Judd. He leaves yeah. the hotel room. De Niro goes into the room, and they have this thing: you're going to go back to Val Kilmer. Oh, yeah. And there's Alan Marciano. That's the character's name, played by uh, what's his name, uh, Hank Azaria. Right. Wholesale liquor salesman from Las Vegas. But there's the scene <laughs> in that hotel room where De Niro hits the hangers. Yeah. And they made a particular sound. It literally yeah, took yeah. two days yep. to, I guess Michael Mann didn't like the sound. All of his guns. Now, there's a guy, you should have him on the show. I haven't talked to him in a long time, but I used to know this guy a little bit. This guy named Peter Jan Brugge. Um, he's a producer. He's great. He produced Heat. He produced, I think he produced Heat. Yeah, he produced Heat. He produced um, Miami Vice. He produced- The movie uh, or the TV No, show? the movie. The movie. Sorry. That was horrible. Yeah, no. I'm a Michael Mann guy. I get it. But there's actually things in that that I even appreciate. I think 
if there's no Miami Vice TV show, that that could have been like Bad Boys Three. Yeah, it just maybe. didn't pay homage to the series, which I I understand. Like you can't have Colin Farrell and Jamie Fox walking around in zoot suits and pastels, <laughs> but those are the people who are going to watch that movie. So you think that they should have done a period piece, maybe? I, I'm not saying make it an 80s, uh, but like pay some. Like I would have had Edward James almost as Castillo. Yeah. Um, but the guy was really good to play. Oh, yeah. It, it's nothing like. No, no, I get it. And I thought also, and, you know, when I gave you a tour of my house, I don't think you saw the two framed autograph photos of Michael Talbot. Who, no. Who played Detective Stan Switek. But in the movie, Switek and Zito were literally in it for two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were a huge part of the TV Wait, show. in the movie, where were they in the movie? I'm trying to remember. That's how unmemorable Switek and Zito, wait, hold on. Okay. And the end scene. And they were played the by The very Justin. end when, they're, when she's going to the house. The big shootout. Yeah. They were like... Oh, they're in that? Background actors. Oh, man. But they had Justin Thoreau. I think he was uh, Zito. And right, uh, yes, Switek was played by Dom Dom uh, from uh, The Wire, from The Wire, Dom Lavardoza or whatever. But like, those are two good actors, yeah. I think. So it was like the one thing about that movie that bothered me was, you know, these guys in the beginning of that film, and again, I don't mean to turn this into about my advice, but in the beginning of the film, you have this very elaborate sting operation about to take place. They're in a nightclub. There's all these cops. And at the, when you really think about it, it's to bust a pimp. <laughs> okay. And it's sort of, I, that's true to Miami Vice, but it goes from busting a pimp, which seems so mundane and like, you know, to like all of a sudden they're involved in the international arms and narco trade uh, and taking down, you know, the, the guy from Colombia who's the, you know, the biggest narco in the world. And it, it's, it's just sort of like, wait a minute. They're going from working this case to that. That that's where I kind of had a, you know. Well, I just think uh, Miami Vice, the TV show, it always had good comedy relief. I mean, it, you know, if you watch the first three seasons of Vice, it was kind of a dark show. Yeah, like it doesn't get the credit because of the music and the flamingos and the opening, and but it, you know, Crockett was kind of a drunk and a bad husband. <laughs> totally, Tubbs was chasing. You well, there was the whole thing with his brother. Right, the evilness yeah. of his brother. Uh, you know, Switek had a gambling problem. Did, did you ever see the episode Evan? I've seen them all. Okay, then you know. It's the one... <sighs> I mean, I have a f two favorite episodes. Which ones? The first one is with... And it's someone I've reached out to to get on the podcast, but uh, a lot of people know him from Animal House, but uh, the great Bruce oh, McGill. Oh, of course. He's fantastic. Who, He's also in, in The Insider. Oh, he's in, like, you talk about the, you know, there's always that saying, I know that actor's face. I don't know his name. I think he, not, he is that guy. Yeah. Like, he's be, literally been the epitome of a working actor for 40 years. Yeah. From Animal House to, uh, he's in something right now. What was I just seeing him in? Not The Blacklist. He's in, he's in a ton of stuff. Uh, so, uh, that Ray Liotta show that just uh, ended. Oh, right. Not um, Blue Steel. I know what you're talking about. Shades of Blue. Shades of Blue. He was a bad guy in the last season. Um, he was in an episode where he played a cop by the name of Hank Weldon. Wow. Hank yeah. Weldon. What was that? Wait, that was in the show? Th that was his name in the show. Okay. And the premise of the show is 
Uh, he killed someone 20 years ago. Uh, he buried them in a wall in an abandoned building. And he's so crazy. He's telling Crockett and Tubbs the guy's still alive. Right. And then the end is they go to this abandoned house. And he's like, I got him. I read him as Miranda writes. And he's been in the wall for 20 years. Wow. Uh, you know, that the thing about that show to me, it holds up for some weird reason. I don't know why. I think the first three, uh, first three seasons. Yeah. And then, you know. When they get into the Contras and, the, and they're going to Nicaragua and stuff like that, that's. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. A lot of people would think how important was Zito to the show, but I thought it lost a lot when John Deal, right. who's another guy you talk about, yeah. a working actor, yeah, yeah. he wanted to pursue other interests and he left the show at its height. Yeah. And I don't think it was ever the same because him and Switek had a great chemistry. They had that chemistry. They had that needed comic relief, that whole thing. And uh, so, but my other favorite episode, my favorite actor of all time is a guy by the name of John Glover. Of course. It's it goes back to talking about comics who should be famous that aren't, and and, and I don't think John Glover does acting to be famous no, and no, no. notice on the street. But God damn, is he a good actor? He's a serious actor. He's won Tony Awards. I mean, he's he's but, from New York, right? He well, he's from Maryland. I think he did got his acting chops in New York. Okay, uh, he was in an episode, season three, called "Lend Me an Ear." Yeah, where he plays uh, a bug expert. So the whole episode, he's going up against Switek. I remember that, and they had a they had a car, right? They had like right. this, uh, yeah. But the you know he was a cop. He went bad. He's working both sides, and at the end of the episode, Switek ended up bugging him. Yeah. Um, of course, <laughs> that's right. I, I mean, there's so many good episodes of Vice, and you know, in seasons four and five, it was hit or miss. Uh, but I also think Michael Mann had moved on to Crime Story. What's next? And I mean, as far as his directing feature films go, I mean, he's always done it. And yet I was disappointed, to be honest, just to be dead on. I still love the guy, but I was disappointed with the black hat. I think it was is what it was called. The one in he's had a few stankers, the hacking one. It was just, you know, but I think, you know, and I've I was a very small part of I'm dying up here, but I, I can, you know, and it was canceled recently, but when two seasons I can only imagine what they felt like on season four and five. Like, I got to get out. I got to do something else. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah. think anyone felt that way on I'm Dying Up Here. But like, you know, it was a grueling show. The hours yeah. are insane. I can only imagine in Miami Vice, where it's a lot of nighttime shoots. Yeah. That around season four, I was like, I, Don Johnson was probably like, I got to do movies. I know Philip Michael yeah. Thomas wanted to do music. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Michael Talbot was like, I'll, I'll stay on this till season 50. Uh, <laughs> cool. he, so, well, it, it's funny. Uh, I wonder now, I, yeah, it's, it's it, uh, anyway, I don't mean to talk about Miami Vice so much, but it, well, it was, no, but th this podcast has no theme. No, I get it. I get it. Like I originally thought, okay, you've managed, you manage big comics. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk to him about that. Yeah. But like with Brian Hennigan and Doug Stanhope. We ended up literally talking about Heat for an hour and a half. Oh, my God. I can talk about that movie for an hour and a half, too. But the thing that that one thing that that series was for me, I think it was like a gateway to a lot of shows about, you know, like 
drug deals and narcos and, and all those kind of like, I just, I really, it resonated with me, those kind of shows, uh, you know. Well, uh, it was the perfect show for that era. Yeah. Like, you know. You know I wanted to be Crockett. I mean, that was like. Who didn't? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, people ask me why I like the music I like so much, you know, like Poison and Bon Jovi and Rat. It's because I saw them in their prime and in the mid 80s, late 80s, you couldn't have picked a a more uh, perfect match with big hair, loud guitars, the stage shows, David Lee Roth. It just fit. And I think Miami Vice was the perfect TV show for that mid 80s to late 80s. I'll tell you something funny. I've had the privilege of spending a little bit of time with Don Johnson. I, 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 uh, a friend of mine knows him. Actually, two friends of mine know him. And I've been around him. Like, he, if he saw me, he'd, oh, hey, how are you? Like, he knows, I don't think, he's not, it's not like I, he's not my, I can't say, oh, he's my good friend or whatever. But I've been around him a few times. And it's weird because I've never brought it up to him. Like, I've never said, I, like, I've never taken him aside and gone, dude, I got to tell you. <laughs> and I don't, you know, it's, it's like weird because I don't, I, you know, we get so, uh, we try never to be that guy or whatever to, you know, but I also feel like, fuck it, you know, it, I don't think he's going to get mad at me if I say that. I'm not going to go up and be some fanboy, but I, I, uh, I always, and it's funny because my friend said to me, why don't you say something? I'm like, nah, yeah, it's all right. But he's, and, and, and here's the crazy thing. He's, not crazy. He's the nicest guy. He's so cool. He's like he's Don John. He's awesome. Yeah. He's fucking. He's crocket. awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I get like you know, like I was telling you before we started filming. Like everywhere I go, I get asked about one show in particular, roast battle, and it's like there's only so many ways to skin the cat of talking yeah. about my role in that show. So I can only imagine <laughs> in 2018. Full disclosure, for you, yeah. you said, Earl, I can get you Don Johnson. I'd want to talk to him about Miami Vice. Yeah. And I can imagine he would be like, ah, dude, how many times you want me to explain we were going after but, drug dealers? You know, I don't Some know. people like it. Some people are like, I'm over it. There's a part of me that thinks he, I don't know. I, I have no idea. He might be like, I'm over it. And I understand that. But on the flip side of it, it's like, it's not, we're not trying to like make people think of you in some antiquated way or something. It's just like- you know, I mean, I think that's the same for, you know, like people that were in amazing movies uh, back in the day and, and they're doing other stuff now, but you still want to, I mean, so I don't know. I mean, I think that also it's, it's not like he did, it's not, it, here's the difference. It's not a movie that happened a long time ago. It's a TV show that lived for, what was it? Four seasons, five seasons, five seasons. Believe five, me, I five know seasons. it's five seasons. <clears throat> so, you know, you have this I mean, it's different than a movie. But it's also like, I remember once I was at the DMV uh, and I saw Pee Wee from Porky's. Mm -hmm. And that movie was so instrumental in my childhood. Right. You know, it was like the my generation's American Pie um, or, or this generation's Jackass, uh, you know, in terms of like the movie, everyone's like, we got to go see this movie. Yeah. We got to sneak in the theater to see Porky's. And I walked up to him and he was with his wife and kids. And looking back, I... I understand his response. He's like, dude, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> like he knew exactly. I was like, dude, Pee Wee, you measured your dick in the morning with the ruler. And uh, so I understand people. Uh, oh, but I, some people, you might be right. I mean, Don Johnson has to realize that Miami Vice is the biggest thing he's done. I mean, you might argue Nash Bridges, but like 
Oh, that's probably bigger. It is probably bigger. That's actually huge. Well, but I think Miami Vice is more iconic. Yeah. Like, I think if you were to ask anyone, name a character on Nash Bridges other than Nash Bridges, you could name one. No. I could name seven characters from Miami Vice. Lieutenant Martin Castillo, uh, Stan Switek, Larry Zito, Gina, Trudy, uh, Izzy, uh, the Nug Man. Oh, yeah. Uh, I... I couldn't do that with Nash Bridges. <laughs> so, no, I don't think you, I could do that either. I, it, uh, well, I'm like Rain Man, like with certain things like Miami Vice. I could tell you every subplot to every, you know, like I, John Glover's name and lend me an ear, Steve Duddy. Wow. But that's, I'm pretty good, but you're like, yeah, well, you are like Rain. You know what I'm going to like, like the capitals of any, you can give me, ask me any country and I can tell you the capital. Uh, Peru. Uh, Lima. There you go. See, but you, I mean, you know, that's are you easy. Tom Green with U.S. president? Yeah, I, well, because I was listening to the, when you had Tom Green on, and uh, that's that's almost harder than U.S. presidents. Although, yeah, the capitals thing. I'm not impressed with very much, but to have a Canadian citizen, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, you know, I know, uh, I think at that point I shut off the Instagram live feed. He was doing it from memory. Yeah, no, like I, he I mean, knew the number twelfth president was James K. Polk. I'm like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even if he was an American citizen, I couldn't <laughs> tell you what number President Howard Taft was. No, um, you you have to get up to like thirty eight or thirty six. Right? No, then it's a little easier. You go Nixon, it's Ford, easy, right? Carter, yeah, Carter Reagan, yeah. Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump. and our fearless leader, yeah, <laughs> uh, Donald, Donald J. Trump. Oh, I mean, it's this. Uh, well, it, 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 but. It'd be interesting if you asked a president that question. Can they name all the presidents? Oh, I don't think I don't think Trump could. Trump could probably name no. the last twelve strippers to work. <laughs> May, well, I think Obama would be good. I, I bet you Clinton could. For some reason, I don't know why. I feel like Clinton would be able to would be really good at that. And I think Carter might be good at it. I don't know. Well, Carter's ninety three. I'm not sure. Uh, you know what though? He's he's really. I mean that guy. He's pretty much... Have you ever seen the way he lives? Oh, he's a minimalist. It's amazing, actually. I mean, it's like... I I got to meet him once. Where? You want another truth? I I, I stood in line at a books uh, signing uh, for like three hours. And uh, it was amazing. I mean, you know, I didn't really get to talk to him much. But when I got up there, I, I bought like three books... Because I wasn't just going to have one book and be pushed away, so and he he made oh you got you bought three of them and I said yes sir and uh, uh, you know just thank you for your service and and he was like oh that's that's so nice of you uh, he you know I, I love doing it and then they just they push you along but he's there he's signing you know, and and then it's crazy because then he's like flying like Southwest home in 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 economy you know like he just he just he doesn't care about those things well some people you know Warren Buffett still i think lives in his original home yeah but but that's crazy like this guy is makes donald trump look poor right drives uh not a prius but he drives some like smart Warren buffett type. he he has like a very minimalist car maybe it's not a prius but it's but i have a feeling but like here's the thing though like i i i don't know why 
She said Patrice O'Neill. I don't know why I... I, uh, I he was in uh, Die Hard 2, by the way. Uh, that guy? If you watch... Uh, where, By the way, the TV is on mute for those of you uh, on iTunes. Oh, and the Kings the, game. The LA Kings season openers tonight. They're uh, in between periods, guys. A guy by the name of Patrick O'Neill. Oh, I thought it said Patrice. Sorry. Uh, and Patrick O'Neill was the guy, John Amos, the, the uh, yeah, sure. father from Good Times. He cut his uh, throat in Die Hard too. He was also the father in Coming to America. Yeah, and, and he's Mr. got Mr. McDowell. Some love of comedy because I've seen him at the comedy store every now and then. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, you, do you like Smoking the Bandit? Oh my God! Yeah, it's. I, I was talking about this with Jim Norton. Like it is one of I, th- that movie. God, it doesn't get it does it gets better every time. It, I was gonna say it doesn't get uh, it doesn't age. It does, it just it's so good. And Jackie Gleason is incredible. Do you know the story behind his acting in that? Right. I th- well, tell me. Long story short, uh, he I, I'm not you know he might have liked to have a drink or two, and uh, basically he improv the whole movie. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah I'd heard Which that. Which is crazy. Like, well, when he when he says uh, I can't believe you. What is it? You came from your mother's loins or something yeah. like that. Some oh, I fucked up the line. No, no. He was, I remember they were, uh, the, the roof of the car had just <laughs> been uh, taken off and uh, they were uh, on the side of the road and then he had the door open. So the truck drove by and uh, t- takes off the door and the dumb son played by Mike Henry, who was also in the longest yard. Right. Uh, goes, Daddy, look, the door came off. <laughs> Junior, I can't believe you came from your mama's lawns. <laughs> <laughs> that, and then there's another line where he says, uh, what was it? Daddy, my hat flew off. I hope your goddamn head was in it. <laughs> they had great chemistry. I don't think they... It's genius. But you would think like Mike Henry, who was also Tarzan back way back in the day, uh, you wouldn't think he would be funny next to Jackie Gleason. And it gets into comedy, you know, uh, like Jim Norton, mm-hmm. great chemistry with Opie and Anthony. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean. <laughs> yes, indeed. Absolutely. For a bit. Yeah, no, no, for a long But time. like, you know, you wouldn't think three, well, not that those guys were no, comics, no, no. but Jim's certainly one of the best. Uh, you wouldn't think Mike Henry could hang with Jackie Gleason. Totally. Totally. And that movie worked. But I think, was it, who directed it? I want to say Hal Needham. Hal Needham. Exactly. Because he was a stuntman originally. Also directed the great Jan Michael Vincent movie, Hooper. Yep. Yep. And, and the thing about that was, which is interesting, is that you had a director who understood comedy because he let him play it straight. You try to make these guys go over the top. It's the worst thing. That, that bothers me on TV when I see it. It just makes me go, ugh. And you know, it's it's just personally like there's something about the straight man and, you know, playing it real that is so much funnier to me than something when it's just so over the top. But also, when you see it on a show, it I, I, I'm not some expert in this, but it's just my well, own. You opinion. are. You're a behind the scenes guy. Well, I'll say this. When you see it, when you see like a like a sitcom or something or, or just something where they're starting up here at a really high level, like of where, you know, holy shit, the character has to try to maintain that. It's so hard. And it's just like, whereas you're better off just playing it real so that when they, when at one point in the show or another, they get, you know, they, you know what a good example of that is? Did you ever see the movie? And I'm getting esoteric here. 
but down you just, by you just lost my fan base saying esoteric oh sorry down by law did you ever see that movie i have not see okay i'm gonna lose your whole fan base now it's a jim jarmish movie all right i literally i have no viewers now. i'm sorry okay forget it let's get back to who no i'm just kidding no, what, no, no. what about it no 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 but there's a scene in there where the tom waits character you've never seen down by law no oh it's good it's really good. It's about these three guys that are in a jail cell in Louisiana. And one is played by Tom Waits, who's this like former like uh, radio DJ. The other is John Lurie, who is a, uh, uh, I think he's a criminal and, you know, and then the other, the third is Roberto Benigni, this, uh, oh. the Italian actor and Waits the whole time, you know, he's super controlled and like, just, you know, doesn't say much. And then, at, there's one scene where uh, Roberto Benigni's character says, that, hey, you, you like ice cream? I like ice cream. And out of nowhere, because you've seen him at this certain level the whole movie, Tom Waits just, it, it just something overcomes him and he starts going, I like ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. We all scream for ice cream. It's so funny because it's so unexpected. And and when he goes up to that level of energy, it's so, it just, it it's like a, it's like a grand slam. It's so good. But to me, like, some of my favorite movies, I would say by and large, most of the cast aren't really classically trained actors. Like, yeah. like the Bad News Bears. Yeah. None of those kids were actors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot about the Bad The Longest Yard, if you look at, um, I mean, certainly they had some good actors, Eddie Albert, Ed Lauder. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you Ed know, Lauder. I met that guy years ago. Nice met guy. Him at the Gay Car Wash which is, if you know my neighborhood, pretty yeah. much every business is gay. And I, I love doing this to celebrities. I, I can't help myself. We're waiting in line for our cars. And he looks at me like, oh, fuck, this guy recognizes me. And I just went up to him and get right in his face, literally nose to nose with Ed Lauder. I'm like, game ball. <laughs> which was the line he gave to Eddie Albert when Eddie Albert wanted him to shoot Burt Reynolds at the end. And he just looked at me. He's like, you must be a comic. I'm like, yeah, I am. How'd you know? He's like, that's how I started. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, he, and he recently passed, but it was. Yeah, that's like, right. I remember a that. A couple years ago. He was great. Uh, but like a lot of the football players in that movie, like Ray Nitschke, he never had acted before. Uh, Joe Cap, who played one of the yeah. uh, sadistic prison guards. Like I just, there's a, an honesty when they're not acting. Like you were, most of the... Um, Terrorists and Die Hard, yeah, were good-looking models. Yeah. I mean Alexander Goodenough, dancer. Uh, yeah, not really uh, a trained actor. Uh, you, you know, you reminded me of something. You'll appreciate this story. I don't know why I'm segueing now, but but so a long, long time ago, I used to work at this company, a production company. I was partners with an actor, uh, Emilio Estevez, and we had this company at Disney. This is it's a while ago. And when I first got there, um, you know, I, I didn't really know what I was doing, to be completely honest. And I was figuring it out. And I was lucky. He, he really did a solid for me. He got me this, he, he offered me this job. I was working for a director and he offered me this job. And I was like, oh, okay. And, uh, and so I was like, what do I do? I was figuring it out probably about a year into it. I had kind of started figuring out how to develop projects, things like that. And I met this writer named Rob Cohen, a very funny comedy writer. And Rob and I had this idea. We were like, 
it was like a cop kind of sort of 70s kind of thing. And we were like, it'd be so cool to get like Richard Roundtree. So I don't know. You just, sometimes you do things, you're kind of fearless. I don't know. Like I, I wasn't even thinking about it. I called up his manager and I, you know, I was like, Hey, we want to develop this movie. She's like, okay, let me talk to Richard. So guy calls me back and he's like, yeah, let's, uh, let's get together. And I'll, you, Richard and I'll come in and we'll meet. And I was like, what? And I'm like, 26 at the time and I'm like and Rob is maybe 27 and I'm like what are we going to do like we have Richard Roundtree coming so then he said there's another guy we should try to get we have to try to get Antonio Fargas okay Huggy Bear Huggy Bear so I don't know same kind of thing with him it was I got his phone number somehow called him up and they, they all came on the same day to the same meeting. And it was like, the two of them looked at each other like, they, you know, they know each other for years. It was really funny. They were happy to see each other. And Rob and I sat there going, whoa, how did we get these guys to come here? And two things, Richard Roundtree turned out to be, both, both him and Antonio, the nicest, nicest of guys. Amazing. And this was also, this is in the 90s. So like, people weren't thinking about developing stuff with them. Whereas I think now there's a lot more interest in, in actors from the, that, that kind of like period. Retro. Oh, definitely. But you know, I mean, they, they would still, they were still working. And Richard, Richard is an amazing actor. So, so is Antonio. They're both like classically trained actors, but um, there was a period where, I don't know, maybe there's a boring story, but like for three, three months or so, I spent a good amount of time with these guys back and forth and, and developing something. And we, we tried pitching it and it just, you know, it didn't go anywhere, but it was. That's the business. That's the business. Yeah, that's the business. But it was, boy, uh, I don't know why I told the story. I think I only told the story because I was young at the time and it was this weird situation with these guys of, you know, who, who I mean, what made me think of it was when you're talking about John Glover. And even though they're known for like black exploitation movies, these guys are fucking good actors. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's so many. Uh good actors that just because to me character actors make movies yeah. now they're richard roundtree and antonio fargus are probably a little more than just character actors yeah. but yeah. like you know like miami we talk about miami vice yes oh, yeah. it's crockett and tubbs uh and castillo yeah uh, you know but what makes any a movie or a tv show uh are, are the side characters who are the best character actors today i mean it's a tough one you know, uh, I love Kim Coates. Yeah. But, you know, like Sons of... If you take Sons of Anarchy, yes, the main character, Charlie Hunnam, is the star, great-looking guy, good actor, Ron Perlman. Uh, I, I used to represent someone who is no longer with us. You probably don't even know this. Can you say who? Yeah, I'm going to tell you who. Because he was one of the great... Uh, Chris Penn. Can I tell you something? This just got real right now. <laughs> <laughs> because let me tell you something right now one of my favorite hidden movies and it's a movie that in with respect to your deceased mm -hmm. client by the way i used to do an open mic saturday nights in santa monica at a youth hostel oh man i would uh it was on second street yeah, right near where he lived there was a restaurant i would walk by it was on the prompt it's on third street promenade and he would always be drinking yep. out in the patio. Yep. Uh, but <laughs> there was a movie. I like it for several reasons. It's loosely 
a sequel to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, uh, Wild Wildlife. Wildlife. Yeah, of course. It, it, it the cast. <laughs> Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Leah That's Thompson. Right, Eric Stoltz. I forgot about that. Um, Lee Ving. If you're a music. Wow. Fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're talking about Die Hard a little bit earlier. We all know the funniest part of Die Hard was not Bruce Willis. Hans von Gruber was pretty good, but everyone's favorite character from Die Hard, without question, not the cop who's eating the Twinkies, no. Ellis. Ellis, of course. That's played by, uh, uh, hold on. Uh, I know it. Uh, it's going to come to me in a second. It's. Um, well, unfortunately. Her- no, not Harris. No, uh, unfortunately, we're on a podcast where we can't have too what's much his dead name? air. The legendary Hart Bachner. Hart Bachner. Hart Bachner mm. was the horny cop yep. in Wildlife. Um, was he really? Yeah, he well, he looks totally different. If you watch the movie The Wildlife, Hart Bachner, um, I don't want to say he's better looking, but he had uh, like the porno mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in Die Hard, he had the beard. But here's my, one of my favorite part, two, two of my favorite things about The Wildlife, and then we'll get into Chris Penn. <laughs> um, well, first of all, Dean Devlin, who yeah. later became a huge director, director yeah. was the independent the liquor store scene. Oh, yeah. Where Chris Penn's buying booze and Dean Devlin's the liquor store guy is like, hey, you used to date Mary Mosley, right? And Chris <laughs> Penn, not knowing that that's his sister, goes, oh, yeah, she was a real hose beast. <laughs> Fucked her in the back of my car. And then Dean Devlin's like, that's my sister. And Chris Penn, great comedy time. He's like, did you say Kleinman or Mosley? <laughs> and, um Man, he had that line. What was the line, the catch line in it's that? Casual. It's casual. Casual, yeah. It's but casual. if you're a fan of the movie Predator and you want to know what the actual Predator, Kevin Peter Hall, who sadly died of AIDS from a blood transfusion, Kevin Peter Hall was the strip club bouncer. Oh, wow. In the wildlife. So if you ever watch The Wildlife, it's, it's a very funny movie. It, it didn't I've do seen well. it. I, I, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it. But, you, you know, I'll tell you something funny. This is Tell it. I got to pee, but I'm such a pro. I'm being honest and telling yeah, my yeah. audience, you're going to talk. I'm going to pee. All tell right. us about Chris Penn. Well, I, I, I was only going to tell you a story that was apropos to our conversation about heat, which um, Chris one day tells me the story because I, I'm trying to remember what year heat came out. I think heat came out in 99, 95. 95. Wow. Okay. So Chris, uh, tells me the story about one of the things in heat that's amazing is you have Michael Mann who loves to shoot, find these really cool locations. And he found this location in Koreatown. Uh, well, which was the exterior location. There's a scene in the movie where Al Pacino um, goes to meet Tone Loke at a club. The name of the club is called BJ's on Alvarado. Now, I can tell you, if anybody's interested, this is so going to I am. Drilling deep into this. The actual scene takes place on the at 8th Street and Serrano, okay, in Koreatown, where the car drives up, he gets out, there's like, he walks past like a liquor store and a bunch of stuff, then he turns a corner. Then that was shot in a different location where he turns a corner and goes in the club. There was a real club, apparently, because Chris, one of the things about Chris was he knew all these like underground clubs. He knew cops. He knew some bad guys, I think. Um, and he took, as my understanding was, he told somebody 
who was close to Michael Mann. I don't know who it was. I, I, I just don't know who it was. And then he got a call from Michael Mann about what's this club I hear about? I, I want to see this club. So Chris then gave somebody, I guess gave him the address about it. And they went to this place on Alvarado, which used to exist. And that's where, you know, the, that was because of Chris. That was his little contribution to Heat. I wish he had been in Heat, but... Uh, I could see him in that. I mean, like when I read the Bon Jovi book, uh, you know, obviously Val Kilmer's a, a, a better actor than Bon Jovi, but like I could see Bon Jovi in that role. Yeah. You know, a, a, gruff, oh, sure. a gruffier Bon Absolutely. Jovi. But uh, Chris Shahirless, that was the name of the character. Oh my god, <laughs> it's weird. That I have, it's it's um, it's a it's a strange thing. These 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 like savant like. Well, it's just like I I've seen you know if a, something a movie or TV show is so good, I think that the the key is you can watch it over and yeah. over again and it's not boring. Yeah, like Goodfellas, I've literally seen sure. 200 times yeah which is embarrassing to say no uh but it uh, never gets old i remember where i was the first time i saw goodfellas so do i where were you i snuck into a theater with four of my friends and one i won't say his name one's a huge agent right now okay it's just so funny to see a guy who's literally making millions of dollars yeah. a year because uh, he has two monstrous clients so we had this scam to get into movies in Westwood where you would uh, buy a ticket and you'd fold it in half. Really? And you would act like you'd already been in. Oh, that's great. And then what you would do after is you'd unfold the ticket and go, hey, um, my friend never showed up. Can I get my money back? <laughs> I don't think I paid to see a movie for <laughs> seven years. That's fantastic. So it was. So it's five of us. I go in. I was already in. Went to get. Uh, went to the uh, video arcade uh, Westworld, mm -hmm. which is really dating myself. Second guy goes in. Third guy goes in. Fourth guy goes in. The fifth guy who's now this huge agent in Hollywood today hesitated. And the guy, he didn't get in. And then the guy at the door put put it together. Wait, I don't think those four guys paid for their ticket. <laughs> so they chased us into the theater and we all five or all four. My friend uh, just sat on the curb for two hours while we were in the, we all sat in different areas of That's the movie hysterical. theater. So we got to see it at the Westwood Fox Plaza, right. um, which is where the only movie I've ever been in was Benchwarmers. That's where the premiere was in. Wow. I, I saw it at the Men's Chinese Theater. Okay. The day it came out. And then I stayed for the second show, the, another showing of it. Well, that's when you could do shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now uh, it's all computerized and shit. Yeah, yeah, But now, like, if you go into, uh, I knew, like, in the, the OG Century City Mall, you would buy a ticket, you'd go see, uh, say, Heat, and then you'd go next door to see Goodfellas. You could literally be there for 12 hours, and, yeah. and they wouldn't really care. It's kids working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they don't give a shit if you're still money out of their pocket. I love that you refer to it as the OG Century City Mall, which is kind of funny because I don't know if the listeners know about Century City, but now they've redone it. But I miss that OG Century. There was like... The, the stores were different. The, the restaurants were different. Now it's, you know. Well, I have, you know, I don't mean to brag, but I'm I'm um, assigned with uh, the top voiceover agency in Los Angeles. Their office 
is right by that mall. Oh, really? So uh, when I have to, would that be? Let me guess. Well, I don't want to say they're. Not, okay. You know, maybe they might not want. You know, right? But they they are the kings, and they treat me. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, so when I do an audition for them, because they have their own recording booth, it's, yeah. it's really amazing to do. Uh, I go to the Century City Mall usually, uh, and just walk around, and it's so different. It's now. so different, and that's one of the. You know, about a month ago, I was walking there and I saw Brad Garrett on a uh, ABC show. Uh, I think it's Single Parents, and I'm like, "Oh, uh, <laughs> that can't be good for I'm dying up here." Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could have done the show without him, but he was so good, and I'm dying yeah. up here. I was like, "Oh, maybe I should start looking forward to the jellies on Adult Swim." Because <laughs> uh, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but uh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> Um, maybe I should start reaching out to Comedy Central again. Yeah. Hey, guys, no hard feelings. <laughs> I don't know. It, <sighs> but like, like I remember where I saw, you know, going back to John Glover, like I first became aware of him in 52 Pickup. Oh, 50, that's the movie. That's Roy, my favorite movie Roy, of all time. Is, wait, Roy Scheider's in that movie? Listen to this cast. And my viewers, my fans, whatever you want to call them, the Earl of Maniacs. They're awesome. Thank you for, they are. I mean, people ask me every day, how are you so high on iTunes? Because uh, of the fucking people listening right now. Um, and, and those ClickBot farms in China. No, I'm just yeah, and the, <laughs> I'm joking. And the guy in uh, Timbuktu, I pay. Yeah. Uh, I've been there, actually. Well, they did great internet work. Uh, <laughs> Timbuktu, I've been to it anyway. But... Uh, I saw 50, so I saw 52 pickup. I really loved, it was John Glover, Ann Margaret, Margaret. Roy Scheider, Clarence Williams, the third. Holy shit. I forgot about him. Yeah. We played Bobby shy, the whacked out crack guy. You with the, and Robert Trabor, who's, uh, I guess you'd say a character actor. It was just John Glover. If they teach an acting class, if Jim Norton get books a role. Yeah. Has a bad guy. And he comes to you and says, I, I, I'm not speaking for no, Jim. No, 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 please. This is a wild card okay, scenario. fine, whatever. He's like, I, I've never really acted before. Uh, uh, how do I act like a bad guy? They should teach every person who's up to for watch a bad 50. guy role to watch 52 Pickup and see how John Glover does it. Yeah. Because that's acting. Okay. Perfect. Over the top, but not overstated. So... This leads me to another movie. I don't mean to just talk about movies, but this leads me to a film that I am obsessed with for some reason, namely because you want to talk about a cast, King of New York. <laughs> I was just talking about this movie or someone. If a nickel bag in the park gets sold. If a dime sold, bag gets sold, I want in. in. You guys got rich while everybody stopped on the street. <laughs> it's the one impression I can do. I do one. I do two impressions. One of the actual predator. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know if this is being picked up for the iTunes fans, but and of the Indian and Predator. The rest in peace. We're talking about a lot of dead people. Yeah. Uh, by the way, two guests of inappropriate old are deceased. Who? Uh, one that legendary pro wrestler uh rowdy roddy piper I've by the met, way the day he nice died man. the numbers shot up on the podcast yeah wow well. roddy had, <laughs> and uh my friend laurie adana who was the uh if you're a fan of reality tv uh, she mm. had the uh 
reality show, uh, The Legal Diva, where she was. Oh, right. Um, right. I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah she was great, uh, but it was. Uh, oh, wait. I'm sorry. Unfortunately. King of New York. Okay. But uh, that movie did not do well. No. Has 52 Pickup did not. No. It's a weird movie, too, because I think King of New York came out after what was it was around the time of Goodfellas, maybe. This is what we're going to do. We're going to end the Facebook live uh, okay. portion of the show so I can Google all this shit and <laughs> have an intelligent conversation. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram? All that good stuff. Okay, on Twitter, it's uh, Jay Branstein. That's J-B-R-A-N-D-S-T-E-I-N. On Instagram, well, so without getting into too much crazy detail, I have this podcast, which uh, I, this is, it's totally weird because we're talking about comedy and all this, but I went to Medellin, Colombia, and I interviewed Pablo Escobar's chief, well, there's a guy named John Jairo Velasquez Vasquez, who is Pablo Escobar's chief sicario, uh, long story short, he um, served 23 years in jail. He got out, and then he became a YouTube star. And I was obsessed with this story. So I went down there. I met him. I made a podcast uh, about it. It's called The Sicario Effect. And you can go to the Instagram, which is uh, The Sicario Effect, or our Twitter. How do you spell that just for my fans? T-H-E-S-I-C-A-R-I-O-E-F-F-E-C-T. Sorry, The Sicario Effect. And uh, our Instagram, yeah, that's our Instagram. Wait, let me think. Twitter is Sicario Effect, and without the the, but uh, Instagram is the Sicario Effect. But please listen to the podcast because uh, we could talk about it later. But uh, yeah, well, let's support Jonathan's uh, endeavors. We're going to talk for you know, I, I want to say a few minutes, but I know we're probably well more than a few minutes. Uh, and uh, for my Facebook Live fans. Uh, Thank you for watching. Now you got to go over to iTunes. This will be out tomorrow. Of course, this is Friday, October 5th. This will be yeah. out October 6th. King of New York. King of New York. <laughs> We're going to talk about King of New York right now. Well, you know, it's funny. I often wondered why 52 Pickup didn't do better. Because I thought, look at that cast. Roy Scheider, John Glover, uh, Clarence Williams, uh, um, Aunt Margaret. And there was a great documentary on Netflix about uh, Canon films. Canon, big, big fan of Canon films. And then I got it because apparently these two guys. Only yeah, Menachem shit. and Yoram. The Golden Globus. Yeah, Golden Globus. They only cared about Chuck Norris movies and Van Damme movies. Yeah, yeah. And if it was, there was, they say you could walk into Canon films uh, offices and there'd be two piles of scripts. One was for Chuck Norris. The other for Van Damme, and then, you know, 52 Pickup was, like, in the toilet. A friend of mine was in one of those movies called Down Twisted. Oh, okay. Did you ever see that movie? I did not. Oh, yeah. But it just, so, you know, with after I saw that documentary, I was like, oh, no wonder 52 Pickup didn't do well. Because I thought, and it's a similar storyline to Fatal Attraction, which came out a year later, about blackmail, intrigue. Why did one make hundreds of millions of dollars and the other just a blip? I've often wondered that about King of New York. That cast, David Caruso. A uh, couple reasons, I think. I've met one of the producers, Ronnie, Ronnie Yu, I think is his name. Um, it's a weird thing, that movie. So first you had this amazing cast. Like, it's insane, the cast. Steve Buscemi, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Teresa Randall to 
um, you know, uh, walk into uh, David Caruso. I mean, you, as you said, so you had all this cast and then you had this, the, the, there is a couple things about it. The script has a few issues to it. That said, I still love it. Um, it was the first, I think that this movie is significant for a couple of reasons. There is like this shift in the culture where like, it, I can't quite describe this, but it was like, these was like hip hop gangsters is what they were in a weird, Lawrence Fishburne, you know, plays that guy. Um, what's his name in the movie? Uh, Jimmy jump, Jimmy jump. Now yep. I'm cheating right now. Cause I'm looking at the Jimmy Wikipedia jump, page, but right. just to ducktail for a second on the cast, Christopher Walken, Lawrence Fishburne, Wesley Snipes, Wesley Snipes David right. Caruso, a legendary character actor, Victor Argo, oh, great. Steve Buscemi, Janet Julian. I don't think Teresa Randall was in this. Yes, she is. 100%. 100%. I'm thinking of the white Teresa Randall. That's my bad. Yeah, no, she's African-American. Uh, but there is that white... Uh, there's a Teresa Randall. Uh, but we'll get... I hope that. I have the right Teresa Randall. I mean, yeah, uh, Teresa Randall, right? Uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Yep. I mean, it, it's a who's who of... Not character actors necessarily, but actors. Yeah. It, it just, here's, a, here's, a, here's a good little piece of trivia. There's even a cameo in there. Christopher Walken had a lawyer named... I think his name is Jay Julian. Jay, Jay Julian, I think was his name. He's plays. He's actually playing the lawyer in the movie of Frank White. Okay. <laughs> um, Abel Ferrara directed it. It's there's this Abel Ferrara, right? Let me see. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll go with. Uh, let me see. Uh, Abel directed. Um, let me see. Continue going. I'll. Uh... Um, so okay. It's the first time, it's like, the year was probably 1990. Yes, Abel Ferrara. Abel Ferrara, 1990, is it? Um, let me see here. Wow, these questions are coming. Thank God. Uh, 90. Let's just say 1990. Well, the reason I'm saying this is because there's a significant thing where. Yes, 1990. If you if you look at hip hop, which is a, it's a weird thing because, I you know, there was this thing where all of a sudden, now you have this merging of gangsters and even though these guys weren't rappers in the movie, there was something that was identifiable with a with a with a kind of certain rappers of the time, maybe, or or that were that were happening. And it just it because it, like for example, Notorious B.I.G. was a huge fan of King of New York. I mean, huge. Uh, in fact, he references Frank White in a number of his songs. But you also have this. It's New York, and it's this guy who's just you know he's he's the media darling in a weird way he's he's a criminal he's he's not afraid of the mafia he's he's got he's the equal opportunity gangster because if you if you remember the scene where when he sends Giancarlo Esposito down to the little social club and it's all the Italian guys and he's I mean they're you know they say a lot of racial things and he's like ah you tell that hump he's not gonna live long enough to you know it's like that's the old school New York mafia right. you know, crime family. And then here's this guy who the, this telling scene of it is when he's on the subway. Chris Watkins there. He's with his, well, his lawyer in the movie, not his female lawyer, excuse me. Right. He had two lawyers in the movie, but the female lawyer in the movie who is 
they're they're kind of like have this moment where they're on the train and these thugs walk on on the train and they're like yo and he's like oh like you know they think he's scared and then he goes ah oh, hey and then he takes out uh he he moves his jacket over and there's a pistol and they they get freaked out by that so they they walk away and he goes hey and then he throws them some money and he says i got work for you come to the plaza hotel ask for frank white and that's that's like this Whoa. See, these are just like common street criminals, but he's not afraid of them. He's welcoming them. And then later on, you see the kid who was like the the head robber in the Plaza Hotel looking kind of like, what am I supposed to do? Like, do you know clear- who that was? I don't know. If you're a Sons of Anarchy fan. Holy shit. It was Damon Pope. Wow. By Harold Perrineau. Her- That's right. That's who it is. <gasps> Who was in Oz, of course. Yeah, I mean, I know him more from Sons of Anarchy, but... Holy uh, shit. That, I forgot about that. actor that, you know, is the quintessential Dude. work in... I totally forgot about that. Wow. That's amazing. That Okay, so, so again, not my, my dissertation on King of New York here, but it's just... And the action sequences are pretty good. You've got... Um, I mean, it plotted a little bit. Yeah. I love, I love, remember the, the Asian gangster? I mean, it's a weird scene. Like he's, he's, uh, Frank is trying to get all the other gangsters who are dealing coke to, uh, to chip a little bit of that away to build a hospital. And right. who's the singer at the benefit? Freddie. Oh, you're so good. Damn. But, but I Freddie Jackson. Right. And I'm I here mean, to tell you that I'm coming back to the neighborhood. Remember, that's the whole. For a metalhead, that's, that's a pretty, pretty good, damn good. Uh, get. I didn't take you for a Freddie Jackson fan, but still. I'm not, but I was, you know, I, I'm like, I could tell you who the, you know, fourth bass player in Dawkins was. Mm. What about Crocus? Crocus, uh, Midnight Maniac. <laughs> Midnight Maniac. Jim Florentine gives me, he always laughs because I know nothing about heavy metal. I mean, I know Lemmy, I know Ozzy, I know Black Sabbath. But that's iconic right. metal. Like me I mean, and they're rock, too, in a lot of ways. Me and Jim had a, uh, a pretty cool conversation once outside the comedy store about Vinnie Vincent. Who's that? It, it's, you, I mean, this is, we're going across all boards yeah. now. Uh, Vinnie Vincent replaced Ace Freely in Kiss. Oh. He was so crazy that Gene and Paul kicked him out of Kiss three times in a year and a half. But he's so good. Uh, wow. that they kept bringing him back. And then he forms the Vinnie Vincent invasion mm. in 1986 gets kicked out of the Vinnie Vincent invasion. Like he's Vinnie Vincent. Yeah. Like you can't kick out Bruce Springsteen out of the E street <laughs> band. It's his fucking band. Uh, and That's now funny. he's uh, possibly living as a woman. Really? So wow, that's an I, interesting story. Well, I have got a great idea for a documentary. I was going to say that's an interesting story. Well, here's here's the pitch, and no one ah fuck. Well, it. they're gonna. I'm just saying. I don't care if someone steals it. All right. Benny Vincent in the early '90s put out a box set on cassette, which right there should tell you it's probably not above board. Yeah, I buy it. I think at the time it was 150 bucks. Wow comes in the mail in a pink flying V guitar, baby guitar case. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's pretty cool. Because that's what he plays, a pink flying V, Jackson. I'm feeling the package. I'm like, it's kind of light. <laughs> and it's like, I feel like get smart. I'm like, is this a bomb? Like, there's nothing rattling in here. I don't even hear the receipt. Open it up, nothing in it. 
and he did this to everyone. So I came up with this idea of a like a Netflix style documentary called Finding Vinny. And the opening scene is me at this table right here with an empty box set case. <laughs> Cut to the next scene. I'm knocking on his door. Where's my cassettes, motherfucker? And then he gets to tell his side of the story, which he's never really done. He literally disappeared for 20 years. Here's the thing. I would, I would just say it's a cool idea. The only thing that you got to do is not do it. No, 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 no. Just make it got to be a little bit more about just your cassettes because you want to understand what happened to him. Well, that's where because let me give you just not that I want this to be a Vinnie Vincent podcast, but <laughs> I, I think the inter, then you get into is before you find out where the cassettes are, then you get in. What the hell have you been doing for this long? You know, he gets fired from Kiss three times. Gets kicked out of the Vinnie Vincent invasion in the 90s. Three times. Three times. But he's you know, so wait, fucking talented. Hold on. I got a question. The third time they're firing him. Well, this is Kiss in 80. <laughs> you know, you got to understand that Kiss in the United States and, you know, they put out the four. It, it's kind of a long wind. You got to backtrack a little bit to the late 70s. They put out the four solo albums. Right. You know, the Gene Simmons bullshit machine was they all sold platinum. Well, back then, they didn't uh, count things as sold platinum. They shipped platinum. Right. So you could get me a comedy album. You could ship out a million. Well, I guess you wouldn't do that. At downloads, I guess we'd yeah. be talking about. You could say, well, Earl's album sold a million copies. No, it shipped a million. So the the downfall of Kiss was those solo albums, they shouldn't have put four out in one day. Make one. Jim, this would be great to have Norton on and Florentine. Yeah. Because I know me and Norton, <laughs> I, I, say, I only say last name. They know names. more about this stuff than way more about this But stuff. I think me and no, Norton, and I'm just saying because yeah. they're both named Jim, I think Norton's more a Kiss fan. I, I think Florentine Probably. is a little I, more. I think you're right about that. So this would be great to have Jim on. Uh I think if they would have done one solo album where he's, okay, we each get four songs, we'll be independent of each other, bam. Instead, that was a downfall of Kiss. And then they put the disco album out, which was a total sellout, but they got their biggest hit ever. And then 1980, come along, they put out basically a Cars album, right. keyboards, backing vocals. So they were just done with each other. And so they bring in Vinnie Vincent, um, well, first they brought in Eric Carr to replace Peter Chris, but I think Gene and Paul had the foresight to go, you know, Judas Priest is big now. Ozzy Osbourne's playing with, uh, you know, Randy Rhodes, and then he got mm -hmm. Jakey e. Lee. We need a shredder. We need someone who can play this. <laughs> net. And Benny Vincent can play guitar better than most, as crazy as he or should say she is now. So they dealt with his craziness. Okay, we yeah. are not by because he was so he wrote their next album, Lick It Up. Basically, he wrote every song on the album or eight of the ten songs. It saved their career. Wow. Oh, really? I didn't. I know that song. Lick It Up. He wrote it. Uh, most of Lick It Up were demos that Vinny had in his previous Kiss band. And I think at one point Vinny was like, uh, "I'm not just Ace's replacement. I want my fucking money." 
Oh, yeah. You guys are paying me a thousand. I'm not bucks. an employee anymore. Yeah. He was, I'm not signing a contract. I'm not a hired gun. I want, I just uh, rescued your guy's career. That kind of goes against their program, though. Well, Kiss in the United States was, each album was just right. tanking. And, mm -hmm. uh, but they were still huge in uh, like Rio. At that time, they had played the largest outdoor concert ever, like 200,000 people. Wow. But in America, they couldn't have played a House of Blues. Yeah. Um, so he saved their career. But I also see from Gene and Paul's perspective, like, hey, this band's been around for 10 years without you, dude. Was, We're giving you a break. I, I just, I know this name. Someone asked, was Bill Acoin still their manager at that time? Not really. Okay. Uh, That's the one name I know. Of. Well, Bill Acoin, uh, you know, it was Bill Acoin and Neil Bogart were the brains of Kiss. Cat Casablanca Records. Yes. There's a great, uh, I have the book. It's called Rock and Roll All Night Party Every Day. Yep. yep. Story of Casablanca Right Records. over here on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. You, well, I mean, they were great because not only did they have Kiss, they had Donna Summer in a band that I'm obsessed with, The Village People. Oh, yeah. So that was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, The Village People crapped out with that movie with, well, Caitlin. Can't Jenner. Stop the Music. Yeah. You can't, can't stop I the have, music. I somewhere, I don't know if I still have it. I had a book, a picture book that I got at a movie. I, I think I went, I don't remember going to it, but I must have gone to the movie to see it in the theater and they gave you like a book uh you know it, it's all pictures of the uh of the you know like of every scene but it's it's like a promotional item but well i mean that was the movie that like basically sunk their career almost you might say like phantom of the park kind of started produced kisses. by alan carr yeah yeah reese and uh i mean in theory you're you're like you know it's always fun to you know hindsight's 2020 sure uh and there is like, okay, the village people at that time were the biggest band or biggest music act, you know, in the in the world. I mean, the disco, I mean, I remember seeing them on the Merv Griffin show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were huge. So a movie with them, Bruce Jenner, who was, uh, you know, I would say along with OJ, which is crazy to say, but yeah. like were the top probably sports personalities. Uh Sure. Valerie Perrine, who was uh, a top actor. Oh, God, I forgot about her. Valerie Perrine. I used to live next to her in, uh, on Burton Way. And, you know, I don't know why I'm giving the exact street. Uh, uh, she was hot still, has an older lady. Yeah. We would walk our dogs. But in theory, that movie should have been a hit. It's a popular band, uh, popular uh, personalities. But I think, you know, I'm sure when they started filming disco was still popular yeah i think it came out in 1980 which was when like the cars started to come into sure and disco was kind of you know it just was the worst timing the ti ever yeah, for the, a movie the, the timing was terrible but they what record label were they on Ca casablanca the village people were on casablanca yeah oh shit i didn't realize that but i mean it would literally Doesn't be matter. that's what kept the party going man that 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 and kiss and, Don, and Donna Donna Summer. Summer. Well, it's great. but you literally like it would be like doing a movie about rat <laughs> i'm just I'm, this is not the best example but like let's say bon jovi mm -hmm. doing a movie about bon jovi two months after nirvana's nevermind came out right it was just wow yeah, yeah, yeah. when you started filming nirvana hadn't released the record yet so I was like, wow. And then Nirvana just, not through a fluke, but just, you know, they just came out of nowhere. And, sure. And then, oh, wow, a movie about Bon Jovi? Yeah, I don't think so. You know, that that uh, that movie, it, it, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it sunk their career or if it was just general timing of, of, of the era. Like, you know, again, disco was over. Remember in, in Chicago, they blew up at Comiskey Park 
they had the death yeah. to disco, you know, uh, event or whatever it was. And it just, I don't know. I'm I mean, not sure. The, the song, well, you know, you never know. I mean, like the, they had good songs. I mean, George, Giorgio Moroder, Giorgio Moroder was who, like the think, brains. Yeah. And Daft Punk is like, you know, all about Giorgio Moroder. Um, Giorgio Moroder. Didn't he also do the soundtrack for Scarface? Uh, I that and I believe American Gigolo. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but like uh, Julian, know. that was the character's name. Julian K. Oh my God, you're good. Man. Well, I'm a free. I'm a Bill Duke freak. We talked about Predator yeah, yeah, earlier. Bill Duke, of course. Bill Duke was Leon the pimp, of course. And there's that great scene where they're at the. This is like I'm literally. Bill Duke might be one of the best underrated actors in Hollywood. I, you know, I rarely will go up to a celebrity, but when I was working at the Sports Connection. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is old school. Hold on. Though. It's old school. And I, this is how old I am. The, one, the, the Sports Connection was on Santa Monica Boulevard? Well, it, it was a chain. The, right. Uh, the, it's 24-hour fitness now. Oh, my God. But the one I worked out, worked at, it's like literally the last real job I've ever had was on Ocean Park and 31st, okay. which is in Santa Monica. Now, the John Travolta movie, Perfect, was filmed at both locations. Wow. But primarily at the one I worked at. Wow. Anyway, one day, Bill Duke comes in in an all-white jumpsuit. He's very cool. And, he, you know, I was the front desk receptionist. And uh, <laughs> I had so many great celebrity run-ins there. And uh, he's like, I'd like a guest pass. And... Uh, I'm like, uh, Leon, you can go in. He's like, <laughs> he's like, my name's Bill. I'm like, nah. Nah. It's Leon. You're Leon to me. Pimp. And he kind of laughed, but not really. And then after, when he was leaving, I I had to. Because had to, you never know if you're going to see these people again. Yeah. I literally run out. I leave my post. With the, I, I, God knows how many people who weren't members snuck in. And for 10 minutes, I talked to him in the parking lot. And he literally talks like he does in Predator, like, I'm like, Mr. Duke, I'm a huge fan. American Gigolo, a car wash, yeah. uh, Predator. And he's like, thanks a lot. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> and I like literally started looking for the Predator to come like out from, you know, the Cowboy Boogie, which was the cowboy bar in the same lot. And like, because he's so, so black. Yeah, like Yafet Kodo. Yeah. Oh, I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about my favorite Yafet Kodo movie? We're just going to go off the board here and say Star Chamber. Mm, yeah. I mean, his his the role, of course, is Alonzo Mosley in, uh, you know... Uh, Midnight, Midnight Run. Midnight Run, yeah. I mean, Oh, well, and Running Man. Uh, but, running Man. Oh, my God. Sub-Zero. Running <laughs> Man. But, I mean, like... You know, Star Chamber's another movie. We could we, we could have a seven-hour podcast. Uh, we we could. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. No, Star Chamber's in the movie. Michael Douglas is the judge. Yeah. He doesn't convict. You know, there's this renegade, uh, and it's kind of fitting given what's going on with the Supreme Court. <laughs> you get the feeling that Star Chamber's about to happen again, uh, <laughs> where uh, there's a rogue uh, group of judges wow. that votes real punishment. They take the moral high ground. They've, they've become the moral. Right. Uh, yeah, the secret moral court. Um, and Yafit Kodo was a detective uh, and so many good... Interesting uh, piece of trivia about Yafit Kodo. He's originally... I think he was from Cameroon and I think he was a Jewish Cameroonian. That's he, crazy. Yeah, which is unusual. But anyway, yeah. But that's another movie where you're like, okay, you got Hal Holbrook, you got Michael Douglas, uh, you know... Um, oh my God, I forgot about Really that. good character. Hal Holbrook, Michael Douglas, yeah, that's true, uh, Star Chamber. Why didn't Why didn't this hit? 1983, it was just, you know... Well, 
You know, uh, it's, it's interesting because we might have to have you come back to talk about comedy, to be honest with you. Yeah, we talked a lot. About, I didn't really get to promote the podcast. <laughs> That's okay. I don't care. Well, I don't mean to cut <laughs> oh, myself off. But Dude, you're right. I don't want to talk too long. It's boring. No, no. I mean, no, it's not boring. I just know my fan base. They tap out yeah, about... Man. After about an hour, hour and a half. Oh, dude! And we're at like an hour and twenty. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. But, uh, we're definitely gonna have you back for movies. Okay. Talk, um, because I there's so many movies. I, my fit. I mean, like we didn't talk about Repo Man, which is a whole other movie that I, I I have some interesting pieces of trivia that I recently found out about. Well, I was gonna bring up Big Wednesday myself. Well, yeah. I mean that, but that's did John Melius write that? It, you you. All right, but before we <laughs> talk about your podcast, sorry, I'm sorry. John Milius went to USC film school with Steven Spielberg, George Lucas. Both Spielberg and Lucas um, said that they thought he was more talented. Yeah. They had a deal with each other. And this is, I think, one of the greatest and saddest stories of all time. On our next movies, we're going to trade points. So, oh, of course. I've heard this. So, for those of you not knowing, you can look up the grosses of these movies. Uh, I think Spielberg's next movie was Close Encounters. Yep. Yep. George Lucas was Star Wars. <laughs> and Millie's was Big Wednesday, which I will say this has a movie. The acting, the story, I think, yep. are amazing. But I'm assuming in 1979 or 78. A surf movie just yeah because uh, it was basically around Millie's life growing yeah, up in totally. Malibu, and I you know you're talking now I'm a straight man even though I live in this neighborhood. <laughs> Let me say this: when I say a prime oh. Jan Michael Vincent, yep, wow, yeah, I mean wow, and a good actor William Cott, Greatest American Hero, a little later. Right. Gary Busey when he Busey, like, my was God, Gary yeah. Busey, Sam Melville who was uh, well, a, a amazingly oh, Sam Melville of course with the rookies, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Robert England pre Freddy sure. Krueger, sure Michael Talbot from Miami Vice, um, Frank McRae who was uh, you know the legendary black character actor kind of Bill Duke like uh, he was in Used Cars, yeah. uh, the great Stallone movie Lock Up. Uh, oh my god i forgot about that i mean yeah. his uh he came into the gym once too i'm like hey are they gonna do a sequel to lock up he looks at me and goes i hope not <laughs> i just have this really bizarre talent to to run into celebrities like i saw todd rundgren oh yeah utopia uh, was that the yeah oh my walking god. on this street i think he was lost because he, he was like looking around like i don't think this is where i'm supposed to be and I'm a huge Cars fan, even though I'm a metal guy. I love the Cars. I was very sad when Benjamin Orr died, the bass player. I walked in uh, in about 2000, I want to say five or six, some of the surviving members of the Cars wanted to continue. It's the keyboard player, um, Greg Hawks, the guitar player, Elliot Easton. The drummer didn't want to do it. He's a very successful restaurateur. Rick Ocasek didn't want to do it, but he gave them the blessing. He's like... You can't call it the cars. You just have to call it anything else. So, and one of them, how about the new cars? <laughs> but we don't have a singer. So they got Todd Rundgren, who was like the perfect mix of Benjamin Orr and Rick right. Ocasek's vocals. It didn't do well for whatever reason. So I saw Todd Rundgren. I'm like, hey, Mr. Rundgren, I don't mean to bother you. I'm a huge fan. 
I loved you in the new cars. And he just looks down at me and goes, you're about the only one, chief. (laughs) (laughs) So before we... That's funny. Before we wrap up, you have a podcast. Yes, I do. Well, let's get your plugs out of the... I don't want to say out of the way. Like, yeah, no, whatever. Where can people find you on uh, Twitter? On Twitter, Jay Branstein. That's J-B-R-A-N-D-S-T-E-I-N. Now, just so you know, uh, can I say who you manage? Just so people... Yeah, sure. Uh, Jonathan, guys, the careers, uh, whatever you want to call it. He is the <laughs> bill of coin uh, <laughs> to uh, Jim Norton, Jim Florentine, two of my yeah. favorite comics. Don Jameson, I don't mean. Yeah. Uh, um, ben Bailey, a bunch of other people. But We're going to talk uh, later about my but, thoughts on that metal show. But that's. that's but wait, a, here, I just thought of something that I have to say this. Please, please. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jim Norton and I. It's weird because uh, there is a place right near here that it's a yogurt place that him and I love. We've been going there for years. It doesn't matter the name of it. They don't plug this podcast. (laughs) No, no, no. Excuse me. What's it called? Uh, You know what? I believe in karma. What's the name of the place called? Well, I don't want to ruin it and have everybody. No, uh, the yogurt stop. It's at the end of my street. It's a great place. So here's the thing. We've been going there for years and they actually... Which, this is funny to me. I, I, I find it funny. They think Jim and I are a couple, actually. Uh, when in Rome. Not the case, but um, one night we were in there. Jim and I are sitting there. We, we'd, we'd gone out to dinner, and we just went there to get yogurt. And I was dropping him off at a hotel nearby. So we look over. I look over. I go, Jim. And I'm trying to, like, get his attention, you know? And he's, like, texting or something. And I'm like, that's it's taking me a minute it's Rutger Hauer. <laughs> that was a book right there. Hey, he was. It was. He was there. And Jim's like, like he immediately starts looking at his phone, and we're, we're we're looking at the picture on his phone, and it's hard to tell because sometimes the picture you find on Google is not going to be the picture. But you're like, holy shit! I'm like, is it? And then and then he gets up and he leaves, and then the two of us are looking as he walks in, and it's definitely him. And then at that point, he had kind of like he we we were like. I said, we should get a photo with him. Like, let's go get a photo with Rutger Hauer. But then at that point, he was gone, and, and uh, we didn't. And, uh, it's my favorite Stallone movie. Nighthawks, of course. Classic. Wolfgar. Night- w- yeah. <laughs> Wolfgar! This is uh, like a weird language that... I don't know how many people speak it, but it's... Uh, anyway. But uh, I don't care, because... The people who listen to this podcast, they know the drill. It's hit record and Earl's not gonna I don't play on my questions sure uh, well I'm so there's an authenticity to just two people talking yeah. about their favorite subjects now to some 18 year old kid they don't know who Rucker Howard is they don't know who yeah. Wolfgar is they don't know who Jan Michael they're Benson smart is. to look them up but you know it's like in my stand up act um, I've been told sometimes, dude, you can't do rat jokes. Nobody knows who they are. Or you can't do a joke about Vinnie Benson. But I get the laughs because people see the enthusiasm. Yeah, 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 that's great. I could sell out and talk about Trump. You know, hey, what do you guys think about, uh, you know. Uh, who's I know I know a comedian who's working on an entire act of Clint Howard jokes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but like, I love Clint Howard was great. Clint Howard is great. I'm not making fun of Clint Stallone Howard. Stallone movie lockup. But like, he's in lockup. Yeah, he was the weird. Oh my God. He was the creepy cellmate. No, no, I'm sorry. 
I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Clint Howard was Stallone's cellmate in Tango and Cash. Oh, wow. Look at you. Now, that's incredible. Um, so, but I, you know, it took me years to figure that, you know, because when I, I had periods of my stand-up where I was like, okay, what's popular? Katy Perry's popular. Mm. I don't really like her. I'm, sure. Yeah, that happened. I'm not hating on her, but I'm going to do Katy Perry jokes. And some were good, some weren't. But now I talk about Poison, Vinnie Vincent. And even though the crowd does not know who they are, yeah. they laugh at my enthusiasm for the subject. Totally. So, so I'm going to change the subject just because I want to get in my plug. I'm trying to. I know. And then I start talking about fucking... Rutger Hauer. I'm sorry. So uh, let me set you up. Yeah. Now I have guests on that I want to expose to my fans. Jonathan's a longtime friend. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got this great podcast about his exploits involving Pablo Escobar. Jonathan, take it. So, okay. Pablo Escobar had a hitman. Uh, in, in Spanish, they say Sicario, who was a, uh, a guy called John Jairo Velasquez Vasquez. His name, his nickname was Alias Popeye. And he's like admitted to killing 300 people. Um, he's been responsible for the deaths of 3,000. Good for him. Yeah. So he, he went to jail. He turned himself in in 1992. He went to jail. He got out and he became a YouTube star. And I was fascinated with this. So I went to Columbia. Um, I, I managed to sit down with him for this very intense interview. And the podcast, you know, it, it, there's half of it where I'm talking to him. But then, because it's about, it's 20 episodes. Um, right now, episode seven is coming out. On and people Monday. can find it on iTunes. Yeah, it's on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. iTunes. You can go to our website, thesicarioeffect.com, or uh, you know, anywhere you get your podcast. Stitcher, Stitcher all those. Libsyn. So, so, well, Libsyn, sure. Uh, uh, Spotify, uh, all those places. So, in a nutshell, I, I went no, there. No, don't rush. No, no, no. I sat down with him. Uh, the interesting thing was he. Uh, I mean, it, he tells some incredible stories. But halfway through, the podcast shifts because when I came back from Medellin, uh, I got back to Los Angeles and this event happened, which you can listen to the podcast, but it changed everything and it went, it goes in a completely different direction. So whereas the first half of it is me with him and talking and understanding and asking all these questions and finding out about a lot of the things. Uh, and I talked to other people as well. I interviewed other people, but then the second half becomes something very different. And uh, I don't know, I... I uh, That's what they call in the business a teaser. Now you got to listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but if you like narcos or if you're interested in that stuff, there's some pretty interesting things in there. I mean, if, you, if you're interested in narco culture, it's... Uh, you know, I'm not... I, I, I definitely want people to listen to your podcast. <laughs> I tried to give narcos a shot. Really? I'm like the only guy on earth who did get it. You must be the only one. Wow. Uh, you know, but I, in fairness to the show, I will say that, uh, you know, in, in 2006-ish, or whenever The Wire came out, everyone was telling me, Earl, if you like The Shield, which I love The Shield, sorry about that. No worries. Uh, like I said, I don't have a red band helmet. Yeah, man, that's all right. Randomly. This is a good setup. What are you talking about? I mean, it works for me. Can I tell you, can I say one thing? You just reminded me of something. Oh, shit. No, 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 no. You know, you said you didn't like Narcos. This guy, I had tr I, no, no, you had trouble with it. I got it. So this guy, um, Popeye, Netflix did a TV series about his life. It's called Surviving Escobar, alias JJ, and it features it. Basically, it's it's all about his life when he was in jail. 
And he's like the hero of the TV show. The weird thing about this is this guy, for real, he's admitted to killing, you know, roughly 300 people. Now, when he was, when, you know, he's alive. And here's Netflix making a series about him as the hero, whatever. It's just weird. It's weird for the victims in Medellin, for, for, for the families of the victims that have oh. to live with this. But here's the thing that's, that's kind of ironic. So when, and I'm not taking a position on this, but when Louis... Uh, when Louis C.K. Oh, watch out! Well, no, no, but 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 they Netflix didn't want to air his special and all that. I don't think they did uh, when that whole thing came out. Which again, I I understood why corporations do these things. But the weird thing is, like they'll air sixty nine episodes of a TV series about a guy who's victims and a lot more. I mean, the stories. I mean, think about it: three hundred people, three thousand, really. I mean. There's an interesting thing there. It's one of the things, one of the many things that I, uh, I came to learn in doing this. And it's weird because it's not my, uh, I'm not, you know, I manage comedians and stuff like that, but uh, I just wanted to do something in the world of podcasts. And that's why I did this. Well, I mean, I, I you know, podcasts, uh, I think are such, there's still a, a mystery about them. Yeah. Like uh, This one's more narrative. So it's like, I mean, I'm not, it's not like serial, but it's definitely, I mean, there's, you know, it's edited, it's all that. And, but I'll tell you something I've learned, I've gotten a very quick education. It is the fact that your podcast is where it's at in the, like in the iTunes rankings and all that stuff. It's, it's, un, it's, I'm congratulations, man. Seriously. It's like uh, a great, it's, it's so impressive. And, uh, but I don't think, uh, thank you. I mean, you know, it, it's, I, I think people kind of um, assume it's like an overnight. No, no, no. But like they don't. It's not overnight. Well, I could tell you right now. It's not. <laughs> I mean, one, it's 20 years or almost 20 years of stand up yeah. to get to the, the point of doing a podcast. It's, I think this will be around the 250. 50th episode for real wow uh yeah i mean that's nothing i think rogan's at like 12 well yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah 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 uh you know it's a lot of work it's like literally from the people don't see the you know they see the earl at the comedy store joking sure. and uh, you know the second i get up i'm thinking how do i make this yeah i think two things how do i make my stand-up better and how do i make the podcast better yeah can i get gene simmons on how do i get him on do i tweet at him do I email his son, Nick? Uh, how do I get Slash on? How do I get Jim Norton on? Uh, you're going to get these guys. I mean, I, I'm telling you. you but you, I mean, like, it's, you know, I because I, I was talking with an A-level comic whose podcast isn't maybe that successful. And, you know, they were kind of giving me a backhanded compliment of why is yours so successful? There's, there's a lot of that. I mean, uh, let me tell you, there's a lot. I've seen that, but, you know, you have to work at it. You have to really, I mean, I don't need to tell you, you're doing it. But but I mean, like, I, I think people, uh, you know, and I give advice on how to consistency. get. Consistency. That's if, if I could get one thing through to future podcasters or podcasters whose podcast isn't doing that well or whatever. Uh, it's consistency and it's taking no and not you know how many times i get told no you know what the other thing is i, I i've learned for interview request oh yeah 
but I'm going to tell you something. The other thing, and I'm learning this, is to support other podcasters. Uh, it's, I'm not trying to get all corny and like, you know, but preachy, it's but true. It's so true, though. Like, I mean, uh, uh, it, it, it's uh, now like when I when I when I'm on, I, like, I, I rate it five stars. I don't care. I rate it five stars just because it helps. You know that there's somebody on the other end of that going, oh, man, when you see somebody have a whole bunch of ratings that are five stars and then you have like one four star, you're like, what was the deal with that person? Seriously? Oh, I think I have, and it's. I think I was telling you this right. when, when we first started. Yeah. I have close to 400 five-star reviews, you know, a couple four-stars. Then you have three. a... <laughs> then I have one. I literally have one bad review, right. and it's the fucking funniest. I wouldn't take it down even if I could. <laughs> um, yeah, I really used to like it when he would interview 80s metal guys like Stephen Piercy from Rat, but now it's just unfunny comics who nobody knows unsubscribed <laughs> and you're just like yeah what are you gonna do yeah but you uh, know i also when i first started comedy i could be in a room killing or doing well in front of a hundred people and i would see one person with their arms folded or not laughing or just with a sour look on yeah. their face and go why aren't they laughing now if i am presented with that scenario i'm like i'm killing yeah not everyone's gonna like you sure I'm sure, sure people think I suck. I saw Patrice do that. I mean, there was one guy who just did not find it funny. And and it, 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 in this particular instance, he happened to hone in on that person. But yeah. But I mean, it like, happens. I remember I took a friend of mine to see George Carlin toward the end of his life at Hermosa. And uh, 10 minutes into George's act, George, like I knew him, into Carlin's <laughs> act, he left. I'm like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to go look for some pussy on the boardwalk. I'm like, this is the greatest comic, yeah. uh, in my opinion, of all time. Yeah. He's living. You're going to go look for pussy? Yeah. So, like, when I saw that, I'm like, okay, people are going to think I definitely suck. Yeah. Um, but it's you're right. Supporting other podcasts. You know how many people I have on who have, I guess, in a in the most matter-of-fact way, competing podcasts? Oh, my God. Plug your podcast. Uh, we're not competing really in that sense because it's totally well, maybe not different. yours yeah. from the standpoint of the subject yeah, matter, yeah, yeah. but and also some uh, narrative. It's different, you know. But that's I, that I learned from Joe Rogan. Yeah. Like if you look at Rogan, he had Tony Hinchcliffe on. Yeah. Tony's podcast blows up. All Duncan Trussell, Kreischer, Ari Shafir, Kreischer, Segura, Burr. Uh, I mean Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Uh, yeah. I mean Joe's like the Joey Diaz. Joe, I mean Joe's probably helped twenty comics build their careers. Yeah, it's now, incredible. In, but in the technical sense, you would think well, that could take money out of Joe's pocket. But Joe's nah. so fucking smart. And I'm not trying to kiss his ass because nah. I know he doesn't listen to this. I'm assuming he doesn't. <laughs> uh, he gets it. Like he he he's simply. There's one word that I use to describe him. He's a juggernaut. He's just like it's. You know, there's. I mean, like last week. I don't know if you know this. Or was it last week or two weeks ago, uh, this company called How Stuff Works sold for $55 million to iHeartMedia. And it's like, you know, that's like a huge company with all these different podcasts. Rogan's, you know, is right up there, if not surpassing it with just him and that operation. And it's just, oh, yeah. it's, it's just like a, well, it's incredible. Can, what I've learned he's is. He's good though. I mean, he's also really good. Oh, he's a great interviewer. Like, 
you know, you would think he could just cheat and have UFC fighters on, nice. karate guys, he has scientists, on. and he has bio flat Earth people. Yeah. Uh, you know, pro wrestlers, and he's admittedly not a pro wrestling guy, yeah. uh, but he'll have Diamond Dallas Page on yeah. to talk about yoga, or Steve Austin, or, or you know, he'll have comics who are essentially coming after him for the top spot. Yeah, come on my podcast. I'm but then, but then he'll have like Shane Smith on from Vice or, right. or uh, you know, he had on, well, Elon Musk. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. But so I, I really pattern myself after him, obviously on a much, much smaller level <laughs> where I'll have maybe a comic friend of mine who's unknown going, hey, this guy or girl is funny. Become fans of I this. think it's really going to pay off for you, dude. I really do. I mean, uh, I have one enemy in 20 years. That enemy is well-deserved. So that's a pretty good track record of people are going to want to help me. Listen, I mean, it's not fun to be enemies with Yoshi Obayashi. However, oh, hey, oh, oh, I love you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My favorite Yoshi story, and Yoshi. Uh, hey, Jonathan, it's Yoshi. How are you? Is he was opening up for Russell Peters at the Wiltern. Now, I've opened up for Rob Schneider in front of some pretty big crowds. Mm -hmm. So I get the nerves yeah. Yoshi was going through. Yoshi told the same joke twice <laughs> in a row. He's like, I don't understand about being gay. I mean, how about does a pussy smell for you don't want ash? You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, goddamn, I got some shit in my mouth. And then he started the yeah, joke again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Yoshi set up this interview. So, But uh, Yoshi, you, uh, one time Yoshi opened for Jim Norton somewhere in Arizona, I think it was. And like, he came with the, f I mean, this is, he's the first comic walking out. And, you know, the crowd is a little cold, whatever. And he comes out with the, the harshest, harshest joke. I was like, Yoshi. And then like Jim comes, he looks at me, he's like, I mean, the crowd wasn't even laughing. They're like, oh. And it was just like, I remember afterwards I said, Yoshi, maybe open with something a little bit more, you know, just to, before you get into that. I was like, dude. But in his defense, you guys knew his act before you booked him. <laughs> Deal with it, Norton. I'm just kidding, Jim. No, 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 no. But but you know, anyway, yeah, Yoshi. He, you know what I love about Yoshi? His use of he doesn't use articles. No. Hey, Jonathan, I go store later. How are you? I talk with Russell about car. What about the car? What what? No, about car. It just, anyway, I shouldn't make fun of Yoshi. No, I, we, we're paying. Tribute, we love Yoshi. So, we you do. Know, it's like when I make fun of Ralphie Mann. He's yeah. working on something now that I think is going to be really. Yeah. No, I we, I don't want to. No, 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 no. I'm not. On. I'm not. Uh, but like, you know, it's like I make fun of Ralphie May a lot on stage because uh, I was very good friends with yeah. Ralphie, and he said, "Earl, when I die, uh, don't cry. Make fun of me." And uh, I mean, you know that that's like when. Uh, well, like when Patrice died. Yeah, I mean, you know. Same, like, uh, you know. Oh, I, I mean. Yeah. I know he told, like, people like Norton and Florida, yeah. hey, you know, zing me. It, yeah. Because I know that's how oh, you Oh, yeah. Should. Like he, Jeff Ross says, you roast the ones you love. Yeah. Even We always roast the ones we love. Oh, I mean, Ralph, it was so good to me. And, like, yeah. I always, it was a, I think it was a year ago tomorrow he passed. And, oh, my uh, God. Has that been? Oh, dude. Wow. He, uh, you know, the last thing he offered to do for me was, uh, take me fishing and i was like ralphie i'm not getting in a fucking boat with you dude unless, <laughs> unless there's a fucking uh, pace boat uh, i can you know but uh ralphie we miss you we love you uh for the itunes fans and, and say this slowly okay because i know the sicario effect is like you're gonna lose people on the spelling <laughs> where know. can people find you as an individual jonathan on twitter i'm on twitter jay branstein jay branstein and you can go to instagram the Jay Branstein? No, thesicarioeffect.com. So just spell that for my family. T-H-E-S-I-C-A-R-I-O-E-F-F-E-C-T.
and uh, check it out. It's a great podcast. I'm. Thank you. Uh, it's because it's not like the typical podcast like this, which is a you know for the most part an interview show. Yeah. It's it's kind of a, a it follows a story. Yeah, line. it's a narrative. You know. uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, which I think is you you know because podcasts are like comedy specials now. There's just too many of them. Uh, I mean, the beauty of a podcast is anyone can do one. You know. You know what? Just to say one thing. You really don't want this fucking podcast. No, I do. Then, I do. do I'm just going to say one thing because this is the best way to sum it up. If about this guy who the podcast is about or at least a, a big part of it. If Timothy McVeigh uh you know instead of getting executed, you know the Oklahoma City bomber, instead of him getting executed, imagine if he got out of jail and then became a YouTube star and uh you know like sold copies of the Turner diaries out the back of his car and stuff like that. I mean, that's yeah, and oh. autographed them and shit like that. Yeah, I mean, I that actually That's, helps bring it home a little bit. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know, but anyway. Well, no, but I get what you're saying though. Like, you know, he's this horrible, horrible person. Uh, it's crazy. Because, it's a, it's well, a, it's yeah. you know, I I think he's uh, very engaging. That's for sure. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> YouTube stars are uh, yeah. You know, I had an Instagram model on uh, the great Noel Leone oh, uh, yeah. about two weeks ago, because I was literally curious. How do you like? Because she has a million followers on Instagram, and they're all legit. Wow, they're not bought for. They're like legit. Um, like, I have a thousand followers on Twitter, <laughs> but I mean, ten, just to show you the power she has, yeah. and people like her, Logan Paul. Those uh, ten minutes after I uh, released the podcast, I got like three to four thousand uh, new followers wow. on Instagram. Really? Now I had seventy eight hundred to begin with, so to basically almost double. Yeah. It just shows you the power of of uh, YouTube and Instagram. Vine, well, Vine's not around, but you know they blew up Periscope. That's how Roast Battle. Uh, I yeah. mean, I can't speak for Comedy Central, but like that's what gave Roast Battle the uh, the industry push. Was what's this show? Everyone's watching on Periscope. Wow. So, uh, well, dude, thank you, dude. You're coming back for movie talk. All right, yeah, I, I would love to. Talk. Thank you. If you if you have me back, I'd love to come. Back. This was so much fun. Well, here's the thing about comedy. Talk. Like, you know, I have a lot of comics on and we all talk yeah. bitch about the business. You know, I got, uh, sure. you know, uh, mistreated in some elements. We should do that. By the way, Barry, he's good at that too. Really well, good Barry, at Well, Barry, the, the thing, and I don't think he really remembers me and thank God he doesn't. I did a pilot for Barry Katz in 2006 <laughs> and it's a great idea. I really wish they would bring it back. It was called One Night Stand Up. Wait, one... Well, I know there's been something. One Night Stand was the thing that HBO did. But this was One Night Stand oh, God, Up, and so it was funny. a dating show. <laughs> oh, eight, right, 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 yes. Eight comics, one girl. The girl never physically sees you. She hears your act. Was was Mark, I think I knew one of the producers on the show. I don't remember, you know, it was, uh, I know Whitney Cummings was the host. Right. Ian right. Bag yep. was on it. Yep, yep, yep. And so this, I was so excited. This That's was going to so be funny, my dude. first time on television. Wow. And this is a good way to end it. It's a nice lead into Barry, two managers back to back. <laughs> so I thought, wow, it's a dating show. I want to stand out with the first joke. This was right around the Duke lacrosse case. Oh, really? So, so I'm on, I'm about to go on stage in a hockey Jersey. Whitney Cummings is literally calling my name Barry Katz grabs me by the arm and says, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm next. She's calling me up. She's like, he's like, you can't wear that jersey on stage. I'm like, why not? He's like, the fucking logos, you idiot. <laughs> so I, I, he rips the jersey off me. I had this god-awful affliction shirt on underneath. It was 2006. Yeah. 
And so I'm like, hey, everyone, uh, great to be here tonight. Uh, how about that Duke lacrosse team? Are they out of control or what? Automatically, it's dead silent. I mean, the captain had a degree in economics. Clearly, he knew 47 didn't go into two. Literally, a packed comedy store. Nobody laughed. And I get off stage and Barry Katz comes up to me and goes, love the dark stuff. And then I haven't seen him since. Barry Katz will be on this couch next week. Jonathan Branstein. Sorry. <laughs> you're a busy man. No, I just had to look at my phone just because it was, I was like, oh. Anyway, That's thank a, you. Thank you. We're going to we're gonna have you back, back for Dude, more. this is so much fun. I really appreciate it. We're going to talk Jan Michael Vincent's career. <laughs> Loved him in Hooper with James Best, Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane from Dukes of Hazzard. Yep. And uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, guys. Also, let's support Jim Norton. Yeah. What, is he just at Jim Norton on yeah. Twitter and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Florentine, Don I, Jameson. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're great. All these comics. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, anyone else? You that's wanna... so, no, yeah, dude, that's great. I mean, listen, uh, thank you. And uh, uh, this was so much fun. I did not expect it to be this much fun. And I mean, keep in mind, we talked for about an hour plus before the podcast. I know. It's crazy. Uh, so uh, we're going to have uh, you back, and we'll talk Dude, movies. Awesome. And I want to talk about comedy. Yeah. you know, like I said, I have a lot of comics on. We bitch about, well, I got fucked over by this show. Uh, I didn't get the Conan spot. I didn't get this. But you're a guy who can give the other side the, i like to say the behind the curtain view some of it certainly yeah but you know why yeah, yeah, yeah. well earl they didn't book you on uh let's just say a, a canceled show you didn't get the chevy chase show because they thought you were too profane they think you're funny they just think you're too profane so we're gonna have you back uh, you're I the best it. dude this is great inappropriate earl soundcloud and itunes if you haven't done so already it really helps if you leave a review it literally takes 30 yeah. seconds. You just click however many stars you want. Click Hopefully. five. Hope That's a great Don't be group. a douche. Just click five. Click five is a group. <laughs> it's a group? It, it was a boy band out of Boston. Oh, my God. Who wore like Beatle-esque yeah, yeah, yeah. suits, but they could play their instruments. Wow. Like they were a boy band who, you know, like the Backstreet Boys had a backing band. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They sang, band played the tunes. That's crazy. And it, it goes back to why movies don't do well. I don't know how the Click 5 wasn't huge. I'm trying to get the keyboard player on. But much like, you know, we talk about Don Johnson not wanting to talk about Miami Vice. I've been told by three members of the Click 5, hey, dude, we're really happy you're fans of the band. But <laughs> let it go. <laughs> I won't let it go. That's so funny. Like uh, Stallone said at the end of Rambo, nothing is over. They're all gone, sir. Skako lost his mind at the comedy store. Didn't even know it. Open mics ate him to the bone. 